This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. How much content has your company generated? And where does it all live? Could you find it if you wanted to? Well, you could if you are using Algolia's products. Having a powerful search engine is critical to bringing to light content that will help build your company's brand and credibility. Ashley Stirrup knows this, and as the CMO of Algolia, he's helping to make sure that other companies know it too. He talks about the power of search, the importance of building credibility, and so much more on this episode of Marketing Trends. Enjoy the conversation. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. We are joined by special guest, Ashley, what's going on? Hi, happy to be here. We are happy to have you. So I have been excited to uh, to talk to you and also talk Algolia Um it's a fun company. It's a hot company, and uh, you all are doing some amazing work. So we'll get into all of that. But first, how did you get started in marketing in the first place? Yeah, I started at Siebel Systems. I joined them when they were a twenty-five million dollar company, and over the next five years, they grew to two billion. So it was a fabulous place to get my first experience and learn from some really great people. Yeah, and so you know, we were talking earlier about the idea that getting started in such a sales-oriented company might have been helpful for a marketing leader. Why do you think that is? Yeah, you know, it was, it was funny. I think Tom Siebel expected everybody in the company, including the janitor, to sell. And it just gives you this whole different perspective when whatever you're building, you're thinking about, how is a salesperson going to articulate this to a customer? And I think it's just really helped me be better aligned with sales throughout my career. You know, before we get into like why uh, or what you do as as CMO of Algolia, share um, why did you decide to uh, to join? Yeah, well, you know, before Algolia, I was CMO for Talent. I was there for five years, and we we took that business from fifty million to today. It's a two hundred fifty million dollar business. We took it public a couple years later, and uh, I was spending over a million dollars a year on paid search, and I was spending over a million dollars a year on creating great content, organic uh, content to attract organic traffic. And I was spending basically nothing on search on my own site. And when I ran across Algolia and I saw just how much more accessible you could make content on your own site, I realized that I was missing something really important. And I saw just how much value Algolia could provide to any company. Yeah. I remember the first time I heard about it, uh, I remember Jason Lemkin talking about it like over and over and over again. And I, I wonder how many people like heard about it just from how much Jason would talk about how great Algolia was as a company because he was such an outspoken, uh, you know, evangelist uh, and investor. I'm curious. Yeah, no, he's been terrific, a terrific partner for us. It's funny. You always hear about, you know, like kind of active versus passive investors and, um, Obviously, he has a huge following and and all the Saster stuff, but I'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of companies wish that they could kind of create some of that magic in terms of evangelism of their own. 
Is there anything that you do particularly? Um, and we'll get into to some of the Algolia stuff. So obviously, you know, you all have been doing really, really well. For our listeners who don't know, just kind of share what does Algolia do? Yeah, I, I realized I should have done that. So uh, we provide a search engine for websites. So companies like uh, LVMH and Under Armour, um, Twitch, National Geographic, we, we power the search on their websites for all sorts of different websites. Today, we have over 8,600 customers. Uh, and typically, what we help companies do is focus on increasing conversion rates. So we often see people having a 30% increase in terms of conversion or likelihood to buy after implementing Algolia's search engine. That's crazy. And so is it is it white label? Like, does anyone know that Algolia is, is on the site? No, it's totally white labeled. So you'd never know if you went to the Under Armour site that it was powered by Algolia. And you all have been named, um, you know, a leader in a bunch of different ways. Can you share just some of that stuff so for our listeners? Yeah. So uh, we were named on the Inc. 5000 list. Last year, we just did our Series C and raised over $110 million from uh, a number of folks, including Excel and, and Salesforce. Um, just seeing you know tremendous growth, so it's been a fun time. And also, I think in G2's grid report, uh, you're named like a leader or something like that as well. Yeah, we've been a leader in, in that grid report for over eight quarters now, so it's been, been fun. And this kind of gets into um, you know what I'm so interested in. Um, is this idea of how do you create credibility? And you and I were talking about this before the show, but, you know, Algolia at this point is one of those companies where, um, you know, again, hot company in the news, um, people talk extremely favorably about it, you know, in a, a leader in the quadrant, you know, things like that, uh, or a leader in, in, you know, grid report and things like that. That obviously helps sales, but not all marketers have that. So I guess, how do you look at that type of credibility as, you know, ammo for your arsenal for marketing? And then we'll get into for folks who don't have that. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously credibility, uh, super important in terms of, you know, building trust during a sales cycle, if nothing else. I think, you know, every company has different assets that you leverage. I mean, now that we're at 8,600 customers and some really amazing brands, that's a lot easier thing to do. Um, earlier in my career, I was CEO of a 10-person startup and we had none of that. Um, and so instead of you know, trying to point to those things, we pointed to our expertise and that you know, we had a process and we were going to help people be more successful. But we really valued our own time and that, hey, we'll come on site but only if you agree to introduce us to these people and then we're going to do a workshop and then we're actually going to help you build a better process. So that was actually a big part of the credibility building was moving from being, you know, sales on one side of the table prospect on the other side to actually getting on the other side of the table and together drawing their to be solution. That was really powerful in terms of kind of creating that trusted partnership, which obviously is another element to that, that whole idea of, you know, being a trusted brand. Yeah. I mean, I, I always think about it as like, there's always another thing to create for marketing, right? Like we always have, well, it's like, first there's like 
you know, in early startup days, you have like the first case study, like, hey, this worked. Someone wants to talk about it. Let's write it up. Let's write up the white paper, the case study. And then it's like, okay, well, now we need a mid-market one. And now we need an enterprise one. And now we need, you know, a retail sector. And now we need finance and like, or FinServe or whatever. And so there's kind of like always this, this like, well, we need to have, you know, a million different um, use cases, which show, you know, all the different types of folks as, as we scale and grow, which adds, you know, credibility. Um, but a lot of times, you know, there's resource constraints and all that stuff, and you can't get to all of those things. But sales is asking, how do you kind of balance those priorities? Yeah. I mean, so what you're basically talking about there is, you know, proof points through customers, um, which is, you know, like when I was at Siebel Systems and we were a billion dollars, we were very well respected just because everybody knew everyone was using Siebel. And then my example with the startup where we were building credibility because we could teach the customer something and we were able to show ourselves as a trusted partner. And so I think that's the other element to good marketing is, yeah, you want to have as many case studies as possible, but you also want to help your sales force show up as that trusted partner and show up with insight that the customer doesn't have and show them, show a sales rep how to actually guide the customer through their buying process in a way where they feel like that trusted partner and not just somebody trying to be a vendor and, you know, close the transaction. Yeah. Like one of those for, um, you know, for Algolia that organic and web traffic are often two thirds of marketing source pipeline. Um, that can be tough, but you know, a great site search experience can increase conversion rate of this traffic by 20%. Like that's like one of those, one of those classic things where you're doing all this work as a marketer, but you don't realize that, yeah, I don't know, there's, there's oranges on the other side of the tree, right? You just have yeah. to have to, or they're at the top of the tree, I guess you could say, and you just need to buy the ladder. Um, I, I'm curious, like those type of insights that you've seen from your customers, like what are the marketing leaders that you work with? What are those type of things that they're kind of realizing? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think kind of what you were just alluding to, uh, again, kind of back to why I got excited about coming to Algolia, was that as a CMO, I was working on building so much content for so many different use cases and personas, developer and business, and you've got customers and you've got prospects. And it's impossible to organize all that content, you know, so that it's, depending on what the customer wants, they've got everything at their fingertips. Especially as you think about content silos, you know, I think a lot of CMOs just think about the content they're building and they're not thinking about the content that documentation's building or support, or maybe they've got a professional services arm. And when I was able to, you know, see the Algolia search engine actually say, okay, great, you've got a topic in the case of talent you know, SAP was not a tier one top. It was important, but it wasn't tier one. And to be able to see all the material pulled together, not just, you know, the marketing material, but also the documentation and, you know, knowledge base articles and all that. You know, you saw how much of a better customer experience you could provide and how much more credible you could be on so many more topics. And that's what every CMO is trying to do, but it can be really hard to like figure out, you know, what's the right information architecture if you don't have a good search engine. Yeah, that's a great point. And and things like archive content and all that stuff, like sometimes, well, actually, I'm curious. Um, do you find that once you have a good search architecture that 
things where you're like, oh, well, nobody ever went to this piece. We should just archive it. Uh, or this, you know, section It's like, no, nah, actually it was just really hard to get to on the site or something like that. Yeah. I mean, a, a great example of that uh, is LegalZoom. When they implemented us, they uncovered uh, a whole nother category uh, of customer demand that they weren't thinking about. And it allowed them to introduce a new product line uh, just by being able to watch the search patterns on their site and realize, wow, a lot of people are looking for this and, and you know, we don't offer that today. Yeah, that's super interesting. I just love the idea that there's like these nuggets of wisdom or these or these things that are happening on your website that some other marketer, you know, years ago spent a lot of time and effort into and that you haven't really yielded the fruit of that labor yet and that search can unlock it. I think that's such like a fascinating thing because I think so many times as marketers, we're, we're just, it's like create, 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 you know, and you have like a content team that's churning stuff out. And especially like for the people who are really doing it well and spending a lot of time and effort making high quality stuff. And then they just kind of wonder like, this is just never, you know, we, we keep emailing it to the, you know, list and nobody, <laughs> nobody likes it or or whatever it is, I just think it's really fascinating to unlock some of those um, some of those pieces or some of that hard work. Yeah, well, as a CMO, I for sure, you know, one of the things that keeps me up at night is that I know I've got great content that is never seeing the light of day. That you know, maybe it's on YouTube somewhere or it's on some hidden page in our site, but there's only so many things we can promote. And so this idea of being able to have a search engine that you know allows anybody to go find it. Uh, you know, it's really exciting. Any things that surprised you as, you know, as you took over the role of CMO, you know, you're working with other CMOs and marketing leaders, you know, that are your customers, any things that kind of like stood out to you um, that you were kind of blown away by? Well, you know, I, I am super passionate about always trying to, you know, get better. And for me, this is kind of my second gig that it's pretty similar uh, Algolia is French US, Talon was French US, both companies, you know, in the range 50, 60 million when I joined. And so I kind of thought, oh, I'm just going to go do everything I did at Talon all over again. And, um, you know, it's basically just run the same plays and I'll not run the plays that didn't work at Talon and I'll spend more time running the plays that did work at Talon. I'll do them again at Algolia. Yeah fascinating. You know, it's like everywhere you go, it's the journey's a little different and you learn new things and you work with new people that teach you new things. Uh, so I've been having a lot of fun doing that. And, you know, just somehow on the random walk of life here at Algolia, I've realized just how important the partnership is with the, uh, our SDRs and BDRs and how much potential there is to unlock higher conversion rates by working better with them, making sure they're better educated, that they've got better tools, that they understand, oh, this lead came from here and here's what you do to follow up next. All those kinds of things. It just, it, to me, it's unlocked a whole nother area of opportunity that, you know, I didn't focus on as much a talent that I'm excited to do here. That's interesting. So is, are they part of your team or is it just partnering with sales? Yeah, no, it's just partnering with sales. And I'm in general a big believer that those roles should live in sales because you want those people to have a career path into sales. So it's just, you know, more connected that way. But, you know, still making sure that partnership is really strong. So important. I want to talk customer journey. How do you think the customer journey has changed over the last, you know, decade or so? 
Yeah, well, you know, it's it's funny because it's such a, a cliche to say two thirds of the buyer's journey now happens online. Uh, but when you look at the data, it's really true. Uh, and that was one thing that someone did at Talend. Uh, they did a really nice job of kind of documenting the steps people were going through. They interviewed a whole bunch of people. They basically did a uh, autopsy of all of our deals that closed in one quarter, and they showed where the contacts came from and you know, where did we find them? Where did they, you know, what, what content did they consume? You know, did they know Talon before the process? How did they hear of us? All those kinds of things. And it was just fascinating to see that journey they go through. And so making sure that you align your content strategy around that journey, you know, by persona and say, okay, if this person came and they consumed something, you know, top of funnel here, how do we move them to middle of funnel? How do we move them to bottom of funnel and, and eventually hand off the sales? It's funny, whenever I go to a website of a product that is selling to marketing, I feel like you always have the best websites uh, because you kind of have the best online journeys. Like Algolia's website for our listeners, just go to algolia.com. Um, but you know, you have Hotjar up, you have a bot, you know, you're doing some conversational marketing. Like, you know, it's it's kind of like the of course you have to be good because you know that's the industry you're in but it is funny to me because there's always such a good experience like an online experience when you do go to those type of things how much time do you personally look at the website how much time do you spend on that portion of the customer journey yeah you know whatever the answer is it's not enough <laughs> because the web is so important uh, and, you know, for me, I, th I think, you know, one of the things that as I talk to other CMOs, I think maybe I'm more over-rotated on the web, but I think a lot of B2B CMOs, maybe they invest in web, but probably not as much as they should. You know, if you, you look at typical uh, pipeline, you know, sources, two thirds of it's coming from the web and from uh, organic traffic. And so being really strong there and making sure you have a big enough team and that you're, you're doing as much as you can there, I think that's super important. I think a lot of CMOs are underinvested there. Where do you think they're spending their time? Where, where do you think is kind of like some of the wasted energy? Yeah, boy, that's tough. You know, I think the, the role of the CMO uh, has become much more strategic because, you know, there's because marketing technology has gotten so much stronger, so much more of the buyer's journey is happening digitally. I think, you know, marketing has become more strategic. And as a result, you're asking the CMO to do more things. They have to be even more closely aligned with the product and organization. They have to really figure out the go-to-market and then make sure to align with sales and get everybody lined up on how you, you go to market. And so there's, it's, it's a big job. And so it's tough for me to say, gee, where would I take time away from? Um, you know, I think the, we all have the, you know, there's, there's always the same demands, right? Like sales can be very loud in terms of their needs and you need to be a good partner with them, but you also need to figure out, you know, where are we really going to invest and, and where do we say no so we can make sure we're spending enough time on things like the website. And for me personally, one of my bars has been, okay, well, if you want me to build that new competitive asset or you want me to build that new vertical messaging, you as the sales team need to sign up for 
you know, you're going to bring me on five sales calls or whatever it is. Like, let's see it actually used and let's iterate on it together because you can never build great content in a vacuum. You, you need to actually put it in front of customers and experience how it gets delivered and all that to learn. And I think it's too easy for sales to say, oh, I need a new case study. I need a new this, a new that. And so making sure you drive kind of commitment from sales to use it and commitment to provide feedback is a great way of filtering down how many requests you actually work on. That's great advice. Do you feel like, you know, as you're kind of building that online customer journey, you know, being extremely thoughtful of how it goes from the online partially self-serve to, you know, offline talking to sales like that, that kind of customer experience, because it seems like, especially, you know, you, you, I'm sure have a ton of developers, uh, you know, on your site and using the platform developers notoriously don't like to talk to salespeople. Um, so I'm curious, like that kind of choose your own adventure, choose how you'd like to buy sort of scenario. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, kind of well known at this time that the whole freemium style model is super important. Uh, at Talon, we had in the range of, I think it was 35,000 downloads of our open source products every month. Uh, here, our free trial is a super important piece of our overall you know, marketing mix. And so to me, I think it's making sure you really understand the self-service journey uh, of those folks. And the better you can make that experience, the more likely they are to one day be ready to talk to sales or just buy on their own and be happy customers. How do you think about, you know, I don't know if, if you all are, um, you know, committed to, to ABM or how you look at your accounts, but the kind of acquisition of technology tools, you know, it's a little crowded. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, you know, you all have a pretty differentiated prod product, but um, how do you look at like your advertising campaigns uh, to bring in to bring in that that demand gen? Well, I mean, the first thing is we're really working on making sure we're aligned with sales around our go to markets, and then building integrated campaigns. And so, it's about how do you build you know campaigns that touch customers seven times in seven different ways. So it's really about a mixture of channels and messages that all are aligned around, you know, these, these kind of core use cases and core value propositions that we're, we're trying to get out there in the marketplace. So I think that kind of alignment across the channels is really important. Um, and then obviously your, our strategies here really vary depending on whether it's an SMB customer or an enterprise customer. So we're much more likely to do ABM on our kind of our strategic target account list than, than anywhere else. Do you find that, you know, the kind of lead up to the sale, um, kind of pre-sales process investment in that versus post-sale into customer success, into the, you know, later stages of the customer journey. Um, are you aligned for that sort of thing? Are you aligned to kind of evangelize what your customers are doing? Do you think that's a marketing function? How do you kind of view customer success? Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much opportunity there. And, and frankly, I think it's an area that, you know, marketing here at Algolia can get better at. We're doing a number of things to help with the, the onboarding uh, process. But yeah, that first 90 days 
obviously super important. You know, so many of your, your so much of your churn will come from people who don't have a first a great first 90 day experience. And so I think marketing can play a really important role there. And then obviously over time, it's about how do you educate customers about new offerings and the whole, you know, kind of powering cross sell and upsell as well. Do you think Algolia can help with podcast search and findability? Because I swear it is so impossible. All these players are so bad at helping you like find and surface new podcasts uh, to listen to. Uh, we just need, we need you all to step in. That's so funny. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you're, you're making me think of a new, a new solution offering we should come out with. Please, I, I beg you. I will, I will volunteer as much time as you need to make to make sure that uh, it, it happens. So right? fun, I mean, we deal with this. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say one of the fun things we've done uh, for YouTube is allowed people to take YouTube videos and the transcripts and transcripts that get generated, and then search. So not only are you finding the video, but you're finding the exact spot in the video where you're talk where they're talking about the topic you want to hear about. That's slick. No kidding. I didn't know that. And so we should do that for podcasts too. Seriously, I I promise it'll be worth it. Yeah, I, it's just really tough. I mean, I think we, I don't know. I think it's on our roadmap to to put Algolia on to marketingtrends.com because, you know, we do, I mean, we have whatever we have over 150 episodes at this point, like, you know, all sorts of, uh, of different stuff going on there. But the problem is, so like you take something like marketing trends where we've had all these CMOs and marketing leaders and folks, um, but it's, you know, a leader driven show, but you have, you know, different, obviously topics within all of those things. So, you know, we, we've talked about customer success and customer experience and all sorts of different stuff on, on our show today. But the problem is, you know, okay, well, what if somebody just wants to learn everything about customer success from marketing trends, right? Like how would you you know, be able to slice that up really quickly and, and, and search all of that. And that's really tough. And I think that, the, you know, I use, I use marketing trends as an example, but this is any, any marketing team where, hey, we did all this, all this amazing content with all these amazing CIOs or what, whatever it is, but now we want all the retail ones. So can we just jam all the retail stuff into, into one space without having to like fully recreate the wheel? Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's a great idea. And frankly, I hadn't thought about it in that regard, but yeah, we absolutely could help with what you're describing for marketing trends. Uh, and, and now that I think about it, like, you know, you, as a, a CMO, we're, we're constantly doing product launches maybe twice a year and there'll be multiple co- topics within those. And you do the webinar and, you know, talk through the different topics and like, how do you surface that, hey, go watch the winter release and you can see how we did, you know, this new thing that's awesome for mobile or whatever the subtopic is. That, that gives me a new idea for for how to talk about what Algolia does. Another example that I was thinking about with the show is we asked this one question in our lightning round, which we're not going to, I'm not going to tell you what it is yet because you still have to go through the lightning round. But we ask a question and it's like, I would love to take, um, you know, all of the answers that we got from all of our guests of that one question and, you know, and leverage that um, for a piece of content. Obviously we can go through and do that manually, but the idea of like, leveraging search to do that makes it fundamentally easier. And I promise you, you know, Dylan, our amazing head of growth, uh, is not, is not going to sit there and well, he, he probably would, but, and like, you know, build the search capacity to be able to figure that stuff out. And it's just easier to, to do something like Algolia and Wiley would. So yeah, that's interesting. One of the, the largest newspaper companies uh, in the world, 
is using us using us for just that for their own writing writers so that they can go search through all the previously written stuff and get right to the topics they need as they're doing research for their next articles. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and then another thing I think is, is images. I mean, there's something that how many marketers uh, or marketing leaders that, you know, go to their team and like need to find and source, you know, like stock imagery and stock images are horrible, but they're at least searchable, which is why they're valuable. But you think of all of the stuff that's not searchable, that if you you had a database of images or or if you have database of images that you, you currently use, that sort of stuff is just so interesting to me because there's so much value there that's just kind of waiting to be used. So you're not using the same super lame stock image of like, you know, the guy with his head in his hands or, you know, the gal with her hand on her hip and that sort of stuff. Like for a marketing leader, it's like, I would love to have all of the photos from Dreamforce that we took in a place that's, you know, easily searchable so we can drop those into our posts and yet, you know, I not have to sit there and crawl through it. Yeah, that's a great example. Along those same lines, you know, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how voice search evolves over time. You know, my, my classic example is you walk into Home Depot and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm looking for this thing and what aisle could it possibly be on? And how powerful would that be if you could go to your phone and say, what aisle is the, the XYZ on? <laughs> and have it tell you, take you right there versus wandering up and down the aisles for a while. Well, I always joke with, uh, with my girlfriend, I'm great at shopping when I don't have a list. I'm not great. I'm average at shopping when I don't have a list because I could just walk up and down the aisles and throw random stuff in the cart. I'm horrible when I have a list because I have no idea where anything is at the store, no matter how many times I go. But that's the exact thing, right? It's like, if I go to Home Depot, that means I'm going to walk down every single aisle. Yeah. Like for a fact, you know. I feel for you. Um, okay. So I want to talk campaigns and it doesn't have to be at Algolia, but what are some of your favorite, or just we can choose one, one campaign that you did that you were super proud of or especially love to do? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that varies uh, depending on who you're selling to and all that. Um, one of the ones that we did at Talon that was really successful was, uh, you know, everybody wanted to, to work with big data and wanted to work with machine learning. And so we built this integrated uh, you know, solution. It was basically a virtual machine where it had everything in it pre-built, including a cookbook. Uh, and uh, that was extremely popular because you know, it was teaching people. And I think you know, the more value you can provide with your marketing content, you know, the more likely your, your campaigns are to both perform and create value for the customer. And so you know, I think that's a really important mindset to have when running campaigns. Any uh, any lessons there on uh, on how to make it how to make that valuable? Well, I mean, you know, it, it, it's uh, about having the right resources to build the content in the first place, and so you know, I think that's an area that you want to make sure as as a marketing leader that you know either how do I get that expertise in my team, or how do I make sure I get enough uh, time out of the people who have that expertise if they're in other functions, and you know, the people that are the ones that can deliver the most value are also probably the ones that are most valuable internally inside your organization. So figuring out how you balance, you know, building great products and teaching your customers or whatever is, you know, one of those great arts. 
That's a great point. You know, we were working with uh, a company and I believe it was their chief strategy officer was brilliant. Like she knew every single thing you could possibly ever know about the, you know, that was out there in the market, but extremely busy, right? Um, and the marketing team kind of never had access to her because she's so busy. Uh, and we were working on making a podcast. And um, yeah, and just like getting getting the the time to sit down with her a bunch of different sessions to create this podcast, we got all this stuff and marketing is like, man, this is super helpful because we can leverage all this stuff uh, to write content. But it's stuff that like our writers couldn't have sat there and, you know, jammed away on our content team couldn't have created this stuff because we just it's too technical or whatever it is. Um, but that's a great point that you kind of have to lobby internally and figure out how to how to you know get carve your your CTO away from uh, the other the other stuff at hand to to get some insights to lock them in a room and interview them or whatever it is yeah well the other piece of that was just teaching them how to you know create or communicate the kind of content that people wanted right because they had so much knowledge they and but they weren't you know marketers and so you'd sit him down and you'd interview him. And you're like, okay, that was okay. But let, let me show you what good looks like. Cause every once in a while we would have a grand slam. And, and so teaching, you know, our best, you know, experts inside the company who are technical, how to create grand slams. That was a big win for us as well. What about a campaign in your career that didn't go as well or didn't go as planned? Well, I don't have a specific one off the top of my head, but you know, the thing I would say that I'm fascinated by is how do you break down the barriers between product marketing and your demand gen teams um, that, you know, product marketing by nature, they want to lead product first. And uh, so like, okay, great. Let me tell you all the great things about the product and demand gen, you know, they've learned cause they've been marketing to customers that, you know, customers want to talk about their problems and you know, their goals. And then if you can lead them to a solution, that's great. But you need to start with the things they care about. You know, product marketing will often say, okay, great. I want to build 15 new assets and demand. And it's like, yeah, I don't have capacity to market 15 new assets, you know? Uh, and so like that, how do you get these folks, um, you know, to align and work well and, and actually have the, the impact that they could have, um, you know, is, is a hard thing. One of the places where I saw that done best was at Citrix, where the guy who had been VP of product marketing became the VP of demand gen. And he did a really nice job of saying, okay, we're going to do two in a box. We're going to take a product marketer and a demand gen person. We're going to give them a campaign and we're going to have them work on it together. And he helped kind of lead them through the frameworks to get them thinking about it the same way. And you really need somebody who has that expertise to re reach across the aisle from the product marketing function to the demand gen or from demand gen to product marketing to help people kind of connect the dots to make those successful. Final campaign question. What campaign have you seen out in the wild that's not yours that was something you were jealous of? Well, it's hard not to get jealous of the Apple folks. <laughs> I mean, they're obviously such uh, an iconic thing. Everybody talks about them. But the thing that's impressed me is that, you know, I, I think their lead has shrunk in many areas and their marketing has actually gotten better. 
uh, and so they just do such a good job. You go to their site and you know you look at what they're doing, and uh, it's just so compelling. You're like, I want that. Um, one of the lessons learned I take from that is also that you know as you kind of look at user testing data and all that, like nobody wants to read, and so building great visuals that tell 90, 95% of your story with a little bit of words around it. Like I think so often people start with, okay, what am I going to write? What are the bullets? And then, okay, let me put a picture up of somebody high-fiving somebody or something, right? It's like, no, start with what's the picture I'm going to put up, you know, to tell the story I want to tell. And then what are the fewest number of words I can put next to that picture? My dad, when, when I was a kid, would always say a picture's worth a thousand words, just like probably everybody, you know, I was heard a million times and I was, and cause he would take a lot of photos and I was, you know, a pithy youth and I was like, no, it's not. And so I, one morning I came down to eat my cereal and he had taken a photo of like our backyard or something, like some terrible photo. And on the back of it had written a thousand words in pen, in pen, uh, just on the back of the, on the back of the photo. Um, and he was like, I guess you're wrong. Uh, and I was just like, man, that's, uh, that is, it's a great marketing lesson in hindsight to say like, you know, find the photo, uh, and you can write about it, but you know, trying to write about something w- without it is, is a little harder. One of the campaigns that I loved was those uh, UPS ones where, you know, the guy was doing the whiteboarding and, you know, you don't need really complex images and obviously his weren't right. He was drawing with a a black marker on a a whiteboard and writing a few words and circling them and drawing arrows. But that way of visually conveying things in a simple, simple format like that is just so powerful. Why is drawing on whiteboards so satisfying? <laughs> it's like one of those things when you watch someone who's really good at, uh, especially who's a talented artist and they're, they're drawing on a whiteboard and you're like, this is extremely satisfying. Those were great ads. Why did they stop running those? That's a good point. I don't know. I've done a lot of whiteboard uh, selling uh, training. 90% of the people are like, oh, do I really have to draw? <laughs> But once, once you actually get them past that kind of fear of it and they realize that a, a crappy drawing can still be really compelling, you know, people really embrace it and it's super effective. Back to the Apple ads, I love, I love those shot on iPhone ads. Those, I thought those were so compelling um, because they're beautiful. So like, like you look at the photos and it's so cool looking. Um, and it's just such a simple thing of like, they know the value proposition that changed is like, you have the most powerful camera on the market is in your phone now. So it's just one feature of the phone, you know, it's one way to differentiate. And we're just going to push really hard on that one thing. I think that is something that Apple really you know leads at is that pick one thing and really nail it. And I think so many marketers they want to tell you 15 things and in the process of doing 15, you know, maybe they should have just stuck with, you know, for a while it was face ID, right. For, for Apple. And it didn't seem that compelling, but somehow at the end of the ad, you were really convinced. And so as a marketer, you probably would have been tempted to go, no, we have to talk about the screen and the camera and the facial recognition and on and on. Right. And it's like, no, they picked one thing and nailed it. Pixel had ads that were basically like the best camera 
on the market or something like that. I don't remember what they were for this is a great example. Cause I don't remember what they were, but I remember that they were like, they had a better camera than iPhone. Um, but you look at like, but I've seen all the photos that I, the iPhone can take on all of these like billboard ads and all these other ads. So even if it's better than that, I know that the iPhone camera is ridiculously good. Um, and I remember my buddy who had a pixel was like, Oh, my camera's better than yours. Uh, and I'm like, well, eh, it's pretty good. Um, but it's like the classic thing. Like I remember shot on iPhone, but I don't remember whatever that other campaign was. It's also just fascinating how that reinforces how important visuals are, right? Like the camera is such an important feature on the phone. Yeah. I mean, it's like the most important one now, right? I mean, it's like, would you, I mean, I, there's not even like every phone has apps now. Every phone, you know, is about the same size, you know, more or less. Um, so you have to you have to figure that out ways to differentiate. Yeah, it's been really impressive how how much of a leap forward Apple made with the iPhone 11. Let's get into our lightning round. Marketing trends is brought to you by Salesforce. Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. You can learn more at salesforce.com/marketing. We love Salesforce. They've been the host of this show since the very beginning, over 150 plus episodes ago. Check out salesforce.com/marketing. Lightning round questions. Ashley, are you ready? Ready. Number 1. What app on your phone, speaking of phones, what app on your phone is the most fun? Oh, the most fun. Uh well, back to the camera. <laughs> I take a lot of pictures of my kids. So I, I think I have a lot of fun with that. Do you have a hidden talent or passion? Well, I'm 6'6", six, six, so I really miss my basketball days. I'm, I'm 50 now and I've torn both ACLs, but uh, I loved playing basketball. Favorite team? Of course, the Warriors. Our poor Warriors. Uh, our poor Steph and his poor hand. It's just tragic. Next year, come back. Do you have a favorite TV show or podcast that you're watching or listening to right now? Well, I just finished watching The Expanse. It's on Amazon Prime. And I thought they did a really nice job with that show and the story and how it evolved over time. Favorite uh, book that you've uh, read recently or, or one of your faves? Well, uh, it's not for the faint of heart, but I just uh, listen to it. I'm dyslexic, so I listen to more audiobooks than I read. And it was called How Not to Die. It's uh, basically all about why you should go vegan. And after the first chapter, I was convinced. And uh, he spent many other chapters reinforcing it and then telling me how, to, how, to, how you can basically change your diet and live a healthier life. What is your best advice for a first-time CMO? Whew. Uh, I'm on the board of a company and I give a lot of marketing advice. You know, I think the getting really clear on your core messages and doing it in a super simple way, you know, because most prospects just aren't that sophisticated. So you need to have super simple messages that they're actually going to remember longer than five or 10 minutes. And your sales team isn't going to be able to remember if they're more complicated than that anyway. So getting to that kind of level of simplicity is a multiplier across everything else you do. Confusion equals no sale. I love it. Um, favorite animal? Oh, uh, well, um, dogs and cats are pretty popular in my household, so I'll go with them. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? You know, I, I, uh, 
I love to talk about the whole kind of sales and marketing alignment and, and how do you grow a business and how do you create all the elements of a strategy to go do that. So it's not that I never get asked about it because, you know, obviously both as a board member and as a CMO, we spend a lot of time talking about it, but it's a topic I enjoy. We'll have to do more of that next time uh, when you come back. We'll have to do the, uh, I, we didn't even get into startup stories and, uh, and I'm sure you have, have a ton. The 32nd thing on that is focus, do f- fewer things and do them better. And I think far too many companies try to do too many things at once and then you just can't actually execute it throughout your whole company and get everybody aligned on it. Yeah, that's it goes back to your uh, the simplicity of the message, right? If it's confusing inside the company, it's going to be fusing, confusing outside the company. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's all we got. Uh, our listeners should check out Algolia. Actually, any uh, final thoughts? Anything to plug? Well, you know, if you're a, a B2B marketer in high tech, like I was, like I am, I uh, definitely encourage you to check out Algolia's search engine for your site as well and just how it can really help you break down content silos and get more out of your marketing content. Awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging out and we'll, uh, we got to talk soon. Awesome. Thank you. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.